0: feels like progress
1: the chime credit builder visa credit is issued by Bancorp bank na or stride bank na members of fdic out of network atm withdrawal and otc advance fees may apply terms and conditions apply go to chime.com slash disclosures for details
0: this washington post live podcast is sponsored by siemens
2: you're listening to a podcast from washington post live bringing the post's newsroom to life on stage manufacturing has been the vibrant engine of american capitalism for decades Manufacturing has been the vibrant engine of American capitalism for decades, but like every other sector in the U.S. economy, it has suffered a downturn due to COVID-19 and must find new ways to meet the demands of the consumer. In this episode, Senator Amy Klobuchar and National Association of Manufacturers President and CEO Jay Timmons will make their case for why we need to help manufacturers, which account for approximately 11.4% of the U.S. economy and 8.5% of jobs. Let's listen.
0: Hello, I'm Karen Tumulty. I'm a columnist here at The Washington Post, and I write about politics. And I want to thank you for joining us this morning for our conversation with Senator Amy Klobuchar. We, senator Klobuchar is a member of the Senate Commerce Committee and specifically um, on the subcommittee that deals with manufacturing. And we are really testing our, our technical capabilities here because she is joining us from a car in Wisconsin where she is <laughs> traveling with her fellow senator, Tammy Baldwin, uh, campaigning for Vice President Joe Biden in the most swingy of swing states this year. So well, thank you. you
2: so me. much. Great to be on, thank you. And yes, I'm in the car, I am parked. That's good, <laughs> so we're not gonna see like moving background behind me. Uh, but yes, Tammy and I are in La Crosse actually doing an event at a farm um, for uh, Vice President Biden about his rural policy. But I'm really excited to be here today because there can be nothing more important, uh, besides moving our country forward and focusing on jobs in the economy. and that really includes, in a big way, manufacturing.
0: Well, we are here today to talk about manufacturing, but it also feels like we have had ten years' worth of news in the last ten days. So I've got to ask you, how are you how do you see the state of the presidential race right now? and, What are the Democrats' prospects right now for taking back the Senate?
2: Well, uh, I think the uh, last few days have really kind of summarized this whole year to me in so many ways. Uh, The way the president has handled uh, what was a difficult, difficult situation. He got the virus that he claims that doesn't dominate anyone. And it, in fact, sent him to the hospital. And that was a moment where he could have showed leadership. And he failed. Uh, He defiantly took off his mask as he uh, walked into the White House in front of all of America. Uh, Then the debate, I think, was another defining moment of the last 10 days uh, where people, at least in my state, especially in the suburban areas, people in Wisconsin, where I am today, uh, where I think the headline uh, when it looked at the polls after the debate said were repulsed uh, by how rude he was, how he uh, interrupted Chris Wallace, the moderator, 145 times, and how while Joe Biden valiantly tried to put a plan forward uh, when it came to our economy and the pandemic, uh, he basically just chose to engage in personal attacks. I think that was really a defining moment of the campaign. For me, it wasn't new news and probably not for reporters who had been covering him, but it was news for some people who were tuning in to make their final decision about who they should vote for. So I think we're seeing a uh, literally a drove of voters going to the polls and we're seeing a widening of this race. And it should be very helpful, of course, in the US Senate where the Republicans have chosen to ram through a Supreme Court nomination instead of focusing on this COVID relief package, which would be really helpful to our economy including restaurants, uh, including stages, like small music venues, which matter all over, believe it or not, small towns as well as big, uh, and including, of course, manufacturing, which is our subject today. Uh, We wanna get to what I call the day after tomorrow, and that means you need a bridge uh, to the time when a vaccine comes out and we can get our economy expanding again.
0: So so what is the state of manufacturing, both in the immediate sense, where we have seen it hit by both a health crisis, which has really been a special risk for, for workers who have to work in close quarters, and also an economic crisis? What, what is the state of manufacturing in the immediate sense? but also in the longer term sense where the U.S. has really sort of lost its world dominance in manufacturing.
2: Yeah, and this is something that uh, as bad as it seems when you look at the numbers, it actually is this exciting opportunity for our country. And I think there's just this newfound belief that we need to make things in America. Some some of it's out of the pandemic, you know, where you had us not being able to get masks or protective protective equipment because we were so dependent on the supply chains. And at the same time, uh, you saw a president that seemed unable to deal with the rest of the world. So here's what I think. Number one, short term. That means passing the HEROES Act, which just today I saw a tweet from one of your reporters, I believe, uh, saying that in the Washington Post, saying that the uh, White House is now putting a major priority um, on getting um, getting a COVID package done that's news after what the president's been saying, but this is something we've been pushing for a long time. Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve, making very clear uh, that this get, needs to get done. And that would include an extension of the PPP and some of the work that needs to be done uh, to help uh, manufacturing. The thing that has to happen after that, it's a lot of things, but I believe we can do this. It's seeing what's going wrong with manufacturing. What well, we're During the pandemic, we're down over 600,000 manufacturing jobs. But I think one of the interesting facts is that we still have jobs that are unfilled. I know that sounds a little crazy, but we don't have a connection between the skills that we have right now with our workforce and the jobs we can fill. And to me, that means free one and two year degrees. It means realizing as a country that we don't have a shortage of maybe like sports marketing degrees um, or MBAs. We have a shortage of construction workers. We have a shortage of plumbers. We have a shortage of people that know how to make, run and maintain the robotics equipment that is modern day manufacturing. And we have to get more women and minorities into that field, not to mention immigration reform. So it's some unique challenges with manufacturing, But I think the answers are there. The answers are uh, making sure that we're making things in America whenever possible, uh, making sure we're investing in R&D, and then getting our country behind the idea uh, that manufacturing isn't dead. I sure know it in my state. We make everything from pacemakers to post-it notes. And our high-tech manufacturing has been a major reason Minnesota has had a stronger economy than a lot of other states uh, over the past decade.
0: But, but even before the, um, even before the pandemic, though, you you were also a big advocate for rethinking manufacturing, and specifically for making it more eco-friendly, making it uh, more in line with the types of things that we need to do with regard to climate change. Could you talk a little bit about that? The, kinds of initiatives that you would like to see going forward?
2: Well, I think when we've seen the fires raging on the West Coast, we know that doing nothing about climate change and doing nothing about green jobs is a huge mistake, um, because it's only gonna get worse. And it's everything the military predicted uh, 10 years ago. Our US military predicted this. They said, fires raging on the West Coast. I know, I was at the hearing. Fires raging on the West Coast, Uh, Sea levels rising and warmer seas, which leads to, of course, more flooding on the East Coast. And then weird weather events in the middle of the country like tornadoes and flooding like we just saw in Iowa uh, over the past year. All of that has come true. And so you can't just pretend it's not happening. The answer is to upgrade our energy. um, And that's everything from the rules and regulations that had been put in place at the end of the Obama administration that, sadly, the Trump administration just left on the cutting room floor. We need to go back to those, reinstate those rules. Uh, And it means uh, looking at car manufacturing, the things that California has been trying to do. And then it means seeing the green jobs that are in manufacturing that we're going to see out of this in this new economy. Um, So I think it's really 2 prong. It's the energy and infrastructure that goes into manufacturing, seeing that in a different way, understanding as Joe Biden has pointed out, we're not gonna do it tomorrow. We have that plan to get to zero emissions by 2040, 2050. And then the second piece of it is seeing what jobs are out there. And we know there are a lot in manufacturing Uh, because I've never been one to think, oh, if someone's job changes, you've got to expect them to, go to school for 10 years and learn a new skill. Some of our mid-career workers aren't going to be able to do that. It's taking the skills they have, yeah, doing training for six months, a year, and having those jobs for them. And that's where green manufacturing comes in.
0: And could you talk a little bit about infrastructure and specifically the federal role in infrastructure? I think a lot of people, when Donald Trump came to office, a lot of people said well you know infrastructure is one of these places where i mean he's a builder that that I democrats and Republicans people. could, could yeah, get Yeah i want together. one of those people <laughs> Go ahead well Sorry. we've had we've had many many infrastructure weeks since then uh what do you see that that joe biden could do that that donald trump couldn't
2: You know, I was actually was one of those people. I kept interrupting you to say that because, of course, I did not want Donald Trump to win. I worked so hard for Hillary. But then you always try to think, okay, what are areas because Trump was in business that he might move on? And I even thought he might move on immigration reform, which is so important for our country's future, uh, because he had employed immigrant workers and understood how important it was. But we saw the opposite. Same with infrastructure. So. Joe Biden, I think we all know his stories about the train and his trips back and forth to Delaware uh, and the fact that he came out strong with an infrastructure package. And when I ran for president, it was actually the first thing uh, that I put out there uh, because I see it as one way to connect uh, the jobs that we need to have in this country and uh, the future that we need uh, to, in Joe's words, build back better. So that's gonna mean things like Uh, rail, of course, and it's going to mean things like bridges and highways. No one knows that better than Minnesota, where we Uh, The 35 double U bridge collapse in the middle of a beautiful summer day, right? Eight blocks from my house. Um, But it's also gonna mean things like broadband. Um, And um, when we see this pandemic and the light it's cast on the problems with broadband in our country, it's unbelievable. And that also applies by the way, to small manufacturing firms in rural parts of our country. If they're in a desert for broadband, or even a desert for childcare or healthcare, we've got problems because they're not gonna be able to keep going. Um, and so I see this as all interconnected. History, Fastback, which McConnell worked on with Barbara Boxer as one of the first Democrats to sign on. That helped plug in some federal money in the state basis. Um, that needs to be, of course, not just uh, re up but expanded on. And then a major, major, infrastructure package uh, is something that we need to see come our way. Um, and I think a new president's got to do one because this president's had four years and he hasn't done it.
0: Well, Senator, Joe Biden has promised to to add five million jobs on top of restoring the jobs that were lost in the pandemic. But I'd like to uh, bring in here a question from a member of our audience, Steve Jewell Larson of Oregon. He says, I have personally watched billions of dollars of manufacturing capability moved out of the U.S. due to uncompetitive corporate tax rates in the U.S. How do you see this trend reverse if we increase the corporate tax rate again? The the increase in the corporate tax rate, of course, is a proposal that, that Vice President Biden has made. Is this really the right time to be raising taxes on corporations?
2: Uh, What Joe Biden has talked about doing is actually um, going back to the rates where they were when we, our country was doing really well, including doing better with manufacturing. Remember, if you go to 2019, pre-pandemic, we saw uh, manufacturing output entering a recession in the summer of 2019. So I don't really see that that trillion-dollar tax cut helped when it came uh, to uh, a lot of our um, manufacturing in this country. And add to that something we haven't discussed, but the uh, way the trade war um, and the way he conducted that trade war, instead of having targeted tariffs, how it hurt manufacturing. I think those two things combine to create some major, major problems. I know this from at home. Um, and so When Joe Biden comes in, what do we need to do? We need more consistency in our trade policy. So yes, we respond to things like illegal steel dumping from China, uh, which um, is a major priority for me with the iron ore mines up in Northern Minnesota. Um, But you don't engage in full-scale trade war. That hasn't worked. As for the tax code, what he is talking about is simply reversing the most regressive parts of those tax cuts, not all of them, and making them work. But that can go at the same time that you're investing in American manufacturing, um, which is things like uh, tax credits for buying new equipment, something we used during the last downturn that the Obama administration put in, but using that in a better and faster way. It's things like uh, investing in research. It's things like um, uh, printing up and having on a website um, how, what the, what the federal contracts are are doing when it comes to uh, meeting the requirements for Made in America contracts. And some of them are things that our companies at home could be competing for. So it's just an all out effort to increase American manufacturing. And there'll be disagreements on the tax code, that's for sure. But I think that what they did with the trillion dollar deficit they put us in was not the answer. And finally, I'd add one more thing when it comes to Pandemic Defense Production Act uh, that can be used um, and should be used as Vice President Biden has advocated for. But it can be done in a smarter way. So you're working with companies and you say, okay. Um, this is something we need to be done. We need you to switch over production. Here's the contract to do it in a much more positive way than this president used it. And I think it also will be helpful. Remember, we gotta get a vaccine out next year. Oh, finally, last thing, something that I think when you talk to Jay Timmons of NAM, you're gonna hear a lot about having a testing strategy in place, having the um, masks and things like that nationally uh, so that we can bring back our businesses on a more consistent basis. So
0: how, so how soon do you think that, um, given everything else that would, will be on your plate in, in January, that, that you can move on some of these economic policies? Uh,
2: You know, I think some of it depends on the outcome of this election. Um, I think it's really important that we take back the U.S. Senate and there's uh, races all over the country that would lead you to believe that we're going to do that. Uh, Even though the odds had been stacked against us, it's just gonna make it uh, more easy to quickly uh, move on some of these economic issues. But I just think the first 100 days have to be devoted to all the things I just talked about with the pandemic and then starting those building blocks Um, to get the immigration bill done, uh, which we must do, to move on climate change, and to get an infrastructure package done. And I think this can be done in a way that's going to be really positive for jobs, or I wouldn't be suggesting it.
0: Well, you know, Senator Klobuchar, we absolutely swore to your staff that we would get you out of here at 20 minutes.
2: Out to (laughs) to the farm to see Tammy? No, it's all good. We're enjoying it. Do you have (laughs) one last? And I'm good. I'm good
0: well, and and back to your road trip with Senator baldwin. Yeah. I, I hope I hope you have cheese curls in your near future there Herds. in Wisconsin. Yep. cheese Herds. curls.
2: sorry, especially like them fried, but yes, yes, very That's...
0: good. Well, right. again, Senator Goldbuchar, thank you so much for for being with us. And we hope we see you again here at post Live soon.
2: Well, I plan on coming back, Um, maybe not in a car, but I will return. All right. Thank you, Karen.
0: Thank you very much. We have much more of our program coming up. Uh, My colleague, Heather Long, will be back shortly with the CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers, as Senator Klobuchar promised, Jay Timmons. So please stay with us.
3: We are continuing the discussion on manufacturing. I'm Heather Long, the economics correspondent at The Washington Post, and I'm joined now by Jay Timmons, the president and CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers. He's been in that role for almost a decade now, and he's one of the leading voices for America's more than 12 million manufacturing workers. Welcome, Jay. Good to see you.
1: Good to see you, Heather. Thanks for having me.
3: So let's start and get right to the heart of it. We are in the middle of a recession. We are in the middle of a pandemic. It's been very rough this year. Uh, The overall US economy obviously took a big nosedive and is about half recovered, but there's a lot of warning signs that the recovery is stalling. How badly has the coronavirus hit manufacturing specifically? And where would you say we are in the manufacturing recovery?
1: Man, you just nailed twenty twenty on the head. It's time for it to just go away, I think. it is It has been uh, quite a ride, and it's one that I don't think any of us would have ever, ever have predicted. Um, as you note, manufacturing took quite a quite a direct hit uh, during the pandemic. Um, we ended up losing about one point three million jobs uh, in the first just in the first few weeks. Uh, but our sector is beginning to recover. We've gotten back about half of those jobs. Production is up about six percent over the past few months, and we're starting to see steady gains. But I have to tell you, um, we obviously want it to be uh, even stronger. And it's not just manufacturing, Heather. It's really the entire economy. Um, we're all in this together. Manufacturing can't do it alone, even though it is a, it is the strongest part of our economy, and and. For every job created in manufacturing, you create another four to five jobs in other sectors. But the problem that we have right now is is the problem of uncertainty. Business is always cautious when there's uncertainty. And what we're seeing from our own surveys of our manufacturing members at the National Association of Manufacturers is um, not only uncertainty about the direction of the country policy wise after the election, but also how seriously are the American people taking the pandemic and how seriously are they um, taking precautions Mm -hmm. that would Mm -hmm. enable us to recover? We can't recover unless we get rid of this virus. That means, um, and Senator Klobuchar said I would talk about this and, and she's exactly right. That means everybody, everybody wearing a mask when you're outside of your family bubble so that we can save jobs, so that we can Ensure that um, we can ensure that our schools open again, so that we can ensure that um, that that the entire economy will will come back, and of course, save lives and stop the debilitating disabilities that that occur because of COVID.
3: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm looking forward to talking about that in just a minute. Let's stay on the economy just for a little bit longer. Um, as as you noted, there's still about 650, almost 650,000 fewer manufacturing jobs today than there were a year ago. I know you think about those workers every day. Uh, how critical is it for the government to pass another stimulus bill right now? Is that are you worried about more layoffs if we don't have more stimulus?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Over the course of the last, what what is it now, seven months, you lose track of time um, during all of this. Um, We've been very pleased that as part of our agenda, our American uh, renewal agenda, we've been able to enact over 60 of our priorities. And and a a few of those priorities included, of course, um, the Paycheck Protection Act, uh, the, the PPP lending program, the Main Street lending program, all of those were really essential in the early days of the pandemic. For stabilizing uh, some uh, stabilizing businesses in all sectors, not just manufacturing, the biggest thing that we need to see in, um, in in a in a bill that frankly needs to get through quickly is an extension of the application period for the PPP program because that's so essential for small businesses. Ninety percent of the members of the National Association of Manufacturers are small and medium manufacturers that have very few you know have a small number of employees but those employees depend on that that business's ability to to continue to operate to continue its doors being open we need to have the application period extended we also need to have the period for which the loans can be used extended past december 31st this is not a 12 week pandemic we know it's we know it's much longer so we need to extend that and then i would say the other thing that needs to happen is, and I'm gonna be very specific about this, limited and targeted liability protection um, for, for businesses who are doing the right thing to protect their employees. We have unfortunately several um, cases of, um, or instances where jackpot justice lawyers would like, to, would like to blame employers who have been trying to protect their employees uh, for outbreaks of COVID, and we need to we need to get that off the table now. Look, I would be I, I would be the first to say we could use comprehensive liability reform. That's not going to happen. That's not today. That is not politically popular po- possible. But what is possible is a very targeted liability reform effort that can protect employers who do the right thing.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, that was just a stunning statistic you just said that 90% of your small manufacturing members had used the PPP program.
1: Uh, Sorry, that that that's a little off. 90% of our members are small and medium manufacturers. Oh. I don't know the exact statistic of who's used it, but I can tell you it's a, it's a large number who did use PPP.
3: Thank you, and can you just say again, what is your biggest worry if Congress and the White House don't reach a deal or if they just do something for the airline industry that's very limited? Obviously, that wouldn't help many of your members. What do you foresee that could happen in the next few months without aid?
1: Sure. And look, this is difficult. Let's not you know, let's not sugarcoat this. This is very difficult because we're not just talking about the manufacturing sector. That's what I represent. And obviously, I want to make sure that, that uh, manufacturing has got all the tools necessary uh, to recover, but it really does involve every industry. It involves the airlines, it involves schools, it involves the service industry and the hospitality industry. We've never experienced anything like this. And so this this is vital to be able to produce the predictability, the certainty that American business needs in order to operate and and to function and to ensure that they don't have to make horrific decisions to to lay off parts of their workforce. That was what the PPP program and the Main Street Lending programs were all about, as well as some of those tax incentives that would be applicable for businesses that did not lay off employees. And so we need to make sure that we are all democrats republicans independents we're all united on the same idea that we have to provide certainty for for american business and for the american worker
3: i think another issue that's come up a lot when i talk to manufacturers uh, is this issue of child care a lot of manufacturing workers are moms and dads and they can't work from home generally they need to go into their place of work usually a factory or, or something along those lines how big of an impact has it been on your sector to have so many schools, virtual and child cares offline?
1: Yeah, well, it's a big, it's a big issue for for all Americans. I, I have two remote learners uh, down in the basement right now from Chesterfield Elementary School, my local school. And then we have a preschooler uh, who's also uh, unfortunately lost his ability to go to preschool. So it, it is a very difficult issue for so many Americans. Um, I am not one who says, get the schools open. I think that has to be done very carefully and the communities are making those decisions on a case-by-case basis in many areas where manufacturers are present. Uh, schools have made the decision to, to, um, uh, to continue with distance learning and an abundance of caution. And I think that's probably a very smart thing to do until we get this virus under control. That said, I've been also pretty proud of manufacturers who are doing what they do best, adapting. And uh, uh, trying new things. So some of them are are um, um, making hours uh, a little bit more f- uh, flexible for those who have children at home. So if there's two parents, you know, one might be home when the kids are home and one might work later. They're also uh, encouraging remote work where it's possible. And of course, it's not possible uh, for most people on the production line. And so in those cases, a lot of manufacturers are are trying to set up, Uh, discrete childcare facilities with the proper safety protocols as well. It is a problem. It's a problem for all all employers, there's no doubt.
3: Yeah. Jay, you just held up your mask. You and your team at the National Association of Manufacturers, you've been outspoken that to get this economy back, we need to take these precautions like social distancing and and mask wearing. You all have a great campaign around mask wearing. I encourage people to check it out. Um, I have to ask, obviously the president doesn't always wear his mask. You know, how how difficult is it do you feel to get this message out when some of our national leaders right now are are not modeling mask wearing?
1: So I'm not the president of the United States, um, and I'm also um, uh, not going to uh, take the bait to to get political here. But what I will say is I'm very, very proud, Heather, of business leaders who who have been leading throughout this, who have been sending the right message. You mentioned our campaign. Uh, we are we are working overtime to try to get as many Americans as possible um, to do the right thing, to do the responsible thing, to protect their fellow their fellow Americans. Um, you know, th- this is not about. Uh, we all know this, right? This is almost. It's almost passe at this point to to repeat some of these talking points. We know what the science is. We know that science says that if you are now, science says, if you're within twelve feet of somebody else um, that's outside of your family bubble, you need to wear a face covering. You need to wear uh, and and Senator Klobuchar talked about a bridge between here and the time that we get the virus. Guess what? The bridge is made out of cloth. <laughs> it's easy. Everybody can do this. And the sooner we do it, the sooner we get our economy back, the sooner we save jobs. Uh, I, I feel like a broken record, but it's so important to repeat the message. We, we don't need to do this to ourselves. We understand the science. We understand that this thing spreads. We've apparently known it since February, that this thing spreads just, just in the air. And it's more contagious than the than the flu. I think the flu maybe kill and and deadly. The flu maybe kills one out of every 2,000 people it infects, and this kills one out of every 35 or something like that. I mean, it's a it's a heck of a burden for the economy if we can't if we can't get this under control. We'll never get our schools open, and and if we don't get it under control, we will yeah. have probably hundreds of thousands of more dead Americans. And look, when people are out. Doing, I, I I, I was in Florida with my parents who are elderly, and I worry about them in a state that's completely opened up. I drove past a bar where everybody was out without masks and having a good time, and I'm glad they're having a good time. But my gosh, do it at a social distance, put on a mask, because you're killing other people. It's really that simple. And if you're contagious or you know that you've tested positive, quarantine for 14 days. We need contact tracing. We need all of these things if we're going to get the economy back and we're going to save Americans. It's really that simple.
3: You're pretty clear on where you stand there. Uh, I, mean, I, want to bring in, <laughs> I want to bring in one of our audience questions. We had several submitted and many of them were on the topic of automation, which I know you've thought a lot about. Uh, let me read one here from uh, Candace Wong of California. Do you agree that one of the main reasons for permanent loss of manufacturing jobs in the United States is automation? Uh, and then a second one is similar from Joe Angie of Texas. Do you think COVID-19 will accelerate automation? Uh, we are seeing some forecasts like that from the Federal Reserve of Philadelphia, and I'm wondering you know, how big of a risk do you think we're going to see more automation in the coming months?
1: I think those are great questions, and um, I don't agree with the premise. Uh, so let me back up and, and and maybe try to unwind a few things. Uh, you had a question in, in the last segment or the uh, segment with Senator Klobuchar from Steve Jewell Larson about corporate taxes, and I thought it was a brilliant question uh, because we did see the erosion of manufacturing in the United States over the course of uh, 20 years because of uncompetitive tax and regulatory policy in this country. And and we had done several studies over the course of that period that showed uh, that when you add the cost uh, to a business, uh, when you add those costs together, it was 35% more expensive to do business in the United States than anywhere else in the world after you took out the cost of labor. And that was basically taxes and regulations so what you saw is you saw investment happening in other areas of the world now look over the course of the last few years we've gotten a hold of uh, our non-competitive tax rate we have we are much more competitive now with a 21 percent corporate tax rate we have regulatory certainty that added uh, a few years ago to manufacturers uh, optimism and it added to investment it added to the creation of jobs here in the United States. It added to additional wages and benefits. Now, COVID, of course, has reversed some of that. We already talked about that. But I think we can get back on that track. Now, specifically about automation, it's not taking jobs away. It's changing jobs. You had Barbara Humpton on here of Siemens, and I'm really proud. She's a member of our board of directors at the National Association of Manufacturers. Um, and and I think what she would tell you is that the nature of manufacturing, the type of jobs, are changing. They're changing from kind of those really uh, intensive and rote um, jobs that we may have thought of in, as manufacturing in the past. And and modern manufacturing really is about automation. It's about technology and robotics, but it's also about the people with the skills to be able to operate that those types of automation. So when we talk about the fact that we're still down 650,000 jobs since the beginning of the pandemic in manufacturing, here's a really strange irony. We also have 460,000 jobs in manufacturing today that we can't fill. Mm-hmm. Now that's, yeah. that, that's, that, that that's kind of odd, right? When you, when you know you have all these uh, jobs that we lost, those 460,000 jobs have uh, various skill sets, that we simply can't find which is why we have launched at the NAM our creators wanted campaign and it's delayed because of the pandemic but we're going to we're going to have as soon as we get the vaccine and which will be manufactured by the way by a pharmaceutical manufacturer um, when we have that and we get the we get the economy back and, and we're able to come back together again we're going to have a road show and go into communities all across this country to show young people what modern manufacturing is all about. We started Manufacturing Month just last week with Manufacturing Day. We usually open up thousands of facilities across the country to young people. We did that virtually this year uh, yeah. to, attra- to attract folks, uh, and to attract young people and show teachers and educators what opportunities exist in manufacturing. And it really does revolve around automation and it, uh, it revolves around technology. We need more people, not less. We want more people. So I can assure you that it's not uh, technology is not costing jobs. It's actually enhancing jobs in manufacturing.
3: Thank you. I want to um, pick up on something. You know, you brought in Amy Senator Amy Klobuchar's remarks, and she was asked directly about Biden's Build Back Better plan, and specifically okay. his um, raise suggestion to raise the corporate tax from 21 to 28 percent. And you heard her response. She sort of said that increase is needed to be more fair, but that it would be accompanied by more investment in the manufacturing sector. I'm wondering what your take is when you look at the build back better plan from Joe Biden. What do you like and what do you think needs improvement?
1: Great question, Heather. And you know unfortunately in a campaign or 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 even after a campaign, so many proposals get boiled down to sound bites. And um, that happened with President Trump in, in 2016. Um, and, and I will say that manufacturers have benefited greatly from, um, and I would say manufacturing workers in the United States benefited greatly from uh, the reduction of the corporate tax rate down to 21%. We actually argued for 15%. And I would still say to this day, if we wanna be bold and aggressive, we should get that tax rate down to 15%. Um, The other thing that we did in the the tax reform legislation was we reduced the personal tax rate. And when we talked about those small and medium manufacturers previously, um, when you and I just did, um, we have to recognize that most small and medium-sized manufacturers file as S corporations or pass-through entities, and they fi- and they pay the personal tax rate. Right now, that personal tax rate is actually higher than the corporate rate. We need to align those as well. And what I would say to Vice President Biden and what I have said to Senator Klobuchar, uh, we have lots of discussions on this issue. Uh, is first and foremost, thank you for, thank you for um, recognizing the importance of manufacturing in America. Thank you for recognizing the importance of manufacturing to a strong economy overall and to more opportunities for Americans. I've been um, I've been found this on the web. <laughs> I'm sorry, we had a little uh, technical issue there. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I've been pleased that they've talked about research and development. And Senator Klobuchar mentioned that she talked about investment in equipment and capital costs. That's good too. But if we go to 28%, and I'd be happy to have this discussion with um, with the Biden campaign, if we go to 28% when you add on state, uh, the average state uh, and local taxes. We'd actually be the highest corporate tax rate in the world again. That does not make us competitive. So I'm sure, and that's why I say I don't want this to be boiled down to a to a soundbite, because I'm sure there are uh, provisions that that he has within that. It's not just a straight increase, I would hope. Um, but uh, we want to make sure that we can show him the data from the tax cut in 2017. We, we launched a campaign called Keeping Our Promises. Um, we have collected uh, data that shows how much additional investment in america has occurred how many jobs we've created in manufacturing i think in that first year there was uh 267 um jobs created right in that first year after tax reform and also the increase in wages and benefits so we have good stories to tell and we'll tell those stories if folks want to talk about raising the corporate tax rate we don't want anything that will punish manufacturers ability to invest and hire in this country
3: our time Uh, is short but I just want to get one last one in, if we can, and that's um, you know you've praised President Trump's tax cuts, uh, but lately you've been a little bit critical of some of his immigration policies, such as the H-1B visa reforms on some of the high-skilled workers coming into the U.S. Uh, what do you wish President Trump would do a little do differently around immigration?
1: Well, so first of all. Um the National Association of Manufacturers and manufacturing overall is about policy, right? It's not about politics. It's not about personality. It's not about process. If we got got mired down in those last three, we'd never get anything done. So for us, it's about policy that makes America more competitive. We talked about tax tax reform. We talked about uh, regulatory certainty. Those have been good for manufacturing. I can also tell you that that trade deals that that help us reach those 95% of customers that live outside of the United States, that's important as well. Uh, Infrastructure, which was also part of the last segment, is critical. Um, But on immigration, immigration is so much a part of the fiber of this country that we need comprehensive immigration reform. We've produced a plan called A Way Forward, and it, it covers every single facet of immigration and makes sure that uh we can have a system that we can all be proud of and if we think back um about 50 years ago uh, something touched me this week that i want to share with you a fellow by the name of juan romero was quite a famous uh, mexican immigrant at age 17 he held the dying body of robert f kennedy after kennedy was shot and the last thing he said was it's going to be okay Uh, mr romero actually just died this week he was 68 years old and I think it's really important to kind of remember who we are. What, what is our DNA in this country? And our DNA is all about immigration. It's all about uh, bringing people together to strengthen the fabric of this society. You mentioned H-1B. That's a very discrete issue. We've sued the administration because we think it was very improper, uh, improperly applied because it's going to hinder our ability to do business and to recognize that we live in a global economy. We want to fix that very discreet issue, but we want to fix immigration overall.
3: Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate you sharing Mr. Romero's story, a great remembrance of him this week. Um, thank you to all for watching and especially to Jay Timmons for joining us for this important discussion on manufacturing.
2: Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.